Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. You probably know Elizabeth Rome from her role as Assistant District Attorney Serena Sutherland for five years on Law and Order. However, her acting career started back in the mid 90s with a part on the soap One Life to Live. Since then, she has starred in shows such as Angel and Bull, plus movies such as American Hustle and Joy. She also works behind the camera as a producer. This mother of one is also a published author who detailed her infertility struggles in the memoir, Baby Steps, Having the Child I Always Wanted. You know, I think it's an amazing thing for women, especially women in the public eye, to talk about some of the struggles they're going through because a lot of women actually are suffering alone. So I, I do think that having Elizabeth outspoken, writing her book on it, and just being able to discuss it on different forums has helped so many women out there. And I think it's a good lesson to others out there to be a little bit open and talk about the things that we all go through. Here's my conversation with Elizabeth Rome. But we, you know, usually we do like four a day. What? Yeah. Four a like day? Like three to four a day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Hey, Elizabeth, I cannot believe you're sitting in this chair. We're actually looking I at each know. other. It's supposed to be a private lunch date, but you know. <laughs> I know. We've been, we've been trying to get together for a long time. We have been. Yeah. So remind me, I think I remember. We when we, yeah, I think I remember, but go ahead. Well, we met, I would say, about seven years ago at the Go Red dress event during Fashion Week. Right. And you had your squad doing all of the beautiful ladies walking on the red carpet. But I was lucky enough to get chosen by you and work with you. And yeah, because I'm really smart. Yeah. I, I she saw, said, I'm, I saw, do, I'm doing the blonde. I'm, I'm doing her. From I Law said, and I, Order. I, yeah, I saw those eyes. No, I was. I, I, lo- I have a thing about your eyes. You have oh. the greatest eyes. And I, I actually remember when I lined them. Like they just kind of turned into this, like you know, this like sexy little thing. I wear makeup yeah. well. Yeah, you I like do. makeup. You do. You don't have a lot on. I prefer no. I don't have a lot on. I prefer yeah. when a professional does my face. Yeah, <laughs> but when you're not working, do you wear much makeup? Um, you know, I like I like the no makeup makeup. I right. like the sort of um, the shading and the contouring, like Kevin Aquan type of philosophy of that of you know outlining the bone structure but that's the but opposite not. of no makeup makeup but it feels to me like you don't see it it feels invisible like that grace kelly no makeup makeup right but i don't think there's contouring there grace kelly just had those cheekbones I think so i think so. i don't know yeah but i look at you and i see your beautiful cheeks like you have beautiful cheeks S- good skin yeah you have really good skin i can thank my mother for that yeah and are you a health fanatic or anything I am, you know, I I drink a lot of water. I but I no, I can burn the candle at both ends. Yeah. I mean, I work hard and I love to, you know, have a great dinner and enjoy my wine. And so no, I think like I think joy. I mm-hmm. think joy comes from the inside out. And yeah. and then if you're lucky, you get good genes. Yeah. Before I, people were doing like eyelash extensions, I was just lucky. <laughs> I had good eyelashes. So you those know? those are your eyelashes. Those are real. Yeah. Yeah. You're lucky. Yeah. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Westchester. And Manhattan. My dad was in the city. My mom was in Bedford. So you went back and forth? I lived in Grand Central Station, yes. Okay, I, grew up, I grew up on the Harlem River line. Uh, <laughs> right? uh. I got, dropped, I got uh, dropped off in Grand Central and went to the other parent. But where did you go to school? 
I went to boarding school in Tennessee, and then I came back and I went to college at Sarah Lawrence. Okay. Because I was sort of like a misfit, you know, trying to to, to figure out what my path was going to be. And I don't think that's the right word. Sarah Lawrence, you are, La- not, you are Sarah, not a misfit. But Sarah Lawrence really is the land of the misfit toys. You know, it's it's people that un- are really smart very, and don't know what to do with yeah, it, and also like unconventional and not. Um, like I wasn't an NYU person. Mm-hmm. I, w- I got accepted to Columbia, but again, I wasn't like the traditional academic. I think I love to read and I love to write and I intended to be a writer. And that was a very strong school for writing. But I don't know, I think it's a very, it's a small school and it's really a school for loners who are comfortable just getting lost in their own mind. Oh, whenever, it suited when, me. Really? Because <laughs> whenever, whenever I hear of Sarah Lawrence, I just think the girls are so intellectual and so like, you know, super, super like, Aware Sexy. and smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that too. Yeah. The J- J.D. Salinger wrote uh-huh. about Sarah Lawrence girls. Uh-huh. They were always like wearing their leotards and their leg warmers. And, right. And then running off to their history class. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, I went, to em- <laughs> I went to Emerson and Emerson- And I almost went there was, too. But you were probably too serious. I mean, we were a bunch of geeks. We were. We were, we were goofy and we were Why? Because you wanted to get into communication. No, we didn't know what we wanted and we weren't the traditional like, you know, students right. and we weren't readers. Certainly we weren't readers. And I would, you know, I'm on the board still. And when I go to board meetings, like the the guys that went there, who are all successful producers and directors, no one could focus. But why did you go there? Because you wanted to get into advertising? No, or? because they allowed me to study makeup. They allowed you to they study did. makeup. They did. Did you invent that that course there for I them? did. No, I didn't know <laughs> at the time that I was, you know, being an entrepreneur. But I, I definitely said, can I study makeup there? And, you know. And it was, turn this into something. And they're like. Okay. No, I didn't know what I was going to turn it into. But that was kind of what I loved about Sarah Lawrence, too, because I had applied, gotten in, and then I deferred for a semester and said, I want to go to Miami and explore um, Miami. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I came up with like a, a thesis idea for a paper, like some sort of like media concept, which was completely bogus. And just I ran around Miami and had fun. But, um, but yeah, Sarah Lawrence was very flexible with, Aww. you know, that kind of thinking, thinking out of the box and, you know, originating you know, your path. Well, then how did you get into acting? Like, what was your path to that? Um, You know, it was really accidental. And it's a funny thing, because I remember when I started Law & Order, I was still writing a lot. And Sam Waterston said, "I'm, I'm an actor through and through. But Elizabeth, she wants to do everything. She wants to write and she wants to do this. And I think, you know, I wasn't a thespian at a young age. I didn't do theater in high school. Um, but socially, I was really inclined to all of the theater people at Sarah Lawrence. They were fun. They were wild. They were creative. And so I, I began to audition for plays, and that's how it started. But I don't think I ever anticipated really pursuing it as a career. I, I, my dad's an attorney. I don't know if – I didn't think he would accept it. My you know? dad's an attorney. When I told him <laughs> I was going to Emerson, he says, what are you going to take, Mascara 101? You're like, makeup? <laughs> Mascara 101? I'm like, yeah, if they offer it, you know, but they didn't. Yeah, I don't – so yeah. I really only towards the end – Mm. Did I contemplate it being a career? But even then, I worked as an assistant to an agent, and I took a more practical approach to it. I thought, you know, like, who am I to to just pursue acting? But that was my life at Sarah Lawrence. It was acting and writing and history. Well, then what was your first job? I, got a, job. I got a three-year contract on One Life to Live. I mean, from not doing anything to getting a soap opera is a big deal. I've been pretty blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was lucky because I think if I hadn't gotten a job mm-hmm. right away, my dad would have yanked me. Yeah. You know, but I got $900 a week doing Law and Order wow. and doing the soap opera. My dad was like, oh, my God, you know, like she doesn't need anything yeah. for me. Like I started a career. And then I did that for about six months and I got fired from that job. But So you did that for six months? Not three years. Oh. Yes. They okay. let me go. 
Okay. So, but that was a happy accident too. Okay, well, talk to me about what it felt at the time because I'm sure you weren't happy when Devastating. it happened. Devastating? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what happened was is that soap operas are very um, old fashioned. They have they're they're you know built upon these families and they wanted to add a new family and it just didn't succeed with the audience. So it wasn't really like I had failed terribly. I felt that I had failed. But one of the divas on the show said, "Oh God, this is really good news. I mean, you know, everybody who gets fired from the show turns out to be a movie star. You know, uh-huh. Tommy Lee Jones, Judith Light, like fired." Yeah. All of them fired. So it did. It created opportunities. I was very happy. I'm a New Yorker. I was doing a show in New York. I mean, how, you know, getting paid at such a young age. But what it did is it created the opportunity to really assess what I I really wanted to do, which was movies. And then I auditioned for Barry Levinson and I ended up getting a screen test. And I ended up auditioning for Michael Apted, got a screen test. And uh, Steven Soderbergh got a screen test. And then I was like out to L.A. And what was your first movie? My first, well, it's interesting you ask because really I got very lucky with TV first, mm-hmm. doing Law and Order and all of that. So really, I had this sort of reversal of fortune, you know, right. that I got to come back to my original dream and do real cinema after Law and Order, you know, in my 40s, really, doing American Hustle and Joy and that kind of filmmaking. Oh, two, two great movies, by the way. Two great movies. Yeah. yeah. What were what was your character in American Hustle? Uh, she played the mayor's wife in this ab scam okay. scandal. Uh-huh. And uh, but what was exciting about that was, you know, TV is really, you know, based on your, you know, your kind of your brand, you know, right. like, you know, whatever role you originated and then the world kind of knows you like that, like the blonde law and order, you know, mm-hmm. lawyer. David O. Russell is so fearless in in sort of reconceiving a character. Like, look what he did with Christian Bale in American Hustle, yeah. right? Or what Christian chose to do with right. him. But that metamorphosis physically gaining the weight and the comb over and, you was, know, the whole 20 minutes of the beginning of the film where he's, you know, spraying his comb over so fastidious, you know. And, you know, I really learned from David that, you know, what I really ultimately am is I'm a character actress, mm-hmm. you know. And to be able to disappear transform, you know, not care about my body if I'm gaining weight or losing weight for a role and to fearlessly, you know, crave transformation. And I love actors like Christian Bale who that's what that's their thing. That's their that's what they do. So that's that was the great journey with David. I mean, even in Joy, you know, I don't know if you ever saw it. I love that movie. But, you know, like I play like, you know, I'm like wearing, you know, Timberland boots and a plaid jacket. I mean, I walk like mm-hmm. a man. I you know, almost like talk like <laughs> talk like a boy. I mean, Jennifer's the one with all the light. Right. And, you know, and so what was your role? Remind me. I played that? her sister. OK. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. she was the one that didn't have the light. Right. You know, she was the one who was sort of the awkward outcast of uh-huh. the family that worked, you know, constantly for her father's love, which was who's, you know, played by Robert right. De Niro. You guys kind of look like you could be sisters. Me and Jen? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. How's she to work with? Great. She seems great. like she's I don't be know, great. you know, when you're when you're that successful at that age, you know, I could just imagine all kinds of bad habits setting in, but that's not that girl. Yeah. No, she's, she's very so. she's she's a spitfire. You know, she's beyond her years, so she takes yeah. it she doesn't she doesn't take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot of hard work, you know, all of these press junkets and you know, all those awards and yeah. you know. What's the, what's the hardest thing about what you do for a living? Um, you know, you've never... I, I remember my mom asked me if I'd seen Tom Hanks do the actor's studio, and I think um, he was asked if he how he enjoys his life now that he doesn't have to audition for things, and he's like, well, like, what are you talking about? You're always auditioning. You know, even if you've 
come to a certain level in your career, you still have to prove to a filmmaker that you're the right actor to tell the story, to be the vessel for that character. So I think that's the hardest part is that you've never really fully arrived, but that's also the blessing, I think, that you're never lazy, you never feel entitled to anything. I mean, it can be frustrating at times because you feel like you've, you know, gone so far, but you're always back at the beginning. But I think there's something really beautiful about that too. So um, I think that's the, it's the hustle, you know, mm -hmm. constantly fighting for every role. And, and unless you're doing a series, which is on the air for, you know, you know, you're like a blue chip series and you're on for a decade, you know, you're always three, three months out, you're done with a movie, you're looking for your right. next gig. So you're really a freelancer. I think that can be very tricky. Well, it's good that you have other things besides acting, right? Yeah. I mean, you're very multifaceted. Yeah. And um, tell me about your a daughter or son? Daughter. Your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, that, that's definitely one of my big facets. I think um, that journey of becoming a mom at that time, I thought, I don't know about you. I don't know how you felt, you know, when you became a mother. But, you know, there's this nervousness of like, you know, am I going to not work again? You know, is this going to become my whole life? And I was really ambitious and wanted to achieve... Um, you know, the greatest experiences I could as an actor. But my acting teacher at the time said, you know, when you become a mother, you just learn to love so much more. So your mm -hmm. work just becomes infinitely greater. Um, and that's really been my experience. Easton has been the loaf of bread under my arm Aww. ever since I had her. In yeah. fact, I would say my mother died two years after Easton was born. And somehow... Losing my mother and becoming a mother, it was like yeah. I was no longer a child with this story of my you know, can I curse fucked right. up childhood yeah. or whatever? You know, that was no longer like over my head. I was stepping into being, you know, the matriarch. Right. And and because of that, I I just became so much more grounded and powerful, I think. And the work became better and I got more work and better work. So she uh -huh. was my lucky star. Yeah, no, my, my life really began when I started having kids. Mm. So I, I get it a hundred percent. Yeah. So your book that you wrote, which yeah. I think is so brave and so amazing. Did you read and it? I did not read it. I did not read it. I just read about it. About I actually it, yeah. didn't. How long ago was it? Well, what happened is I was sort of in a little bit of a lull, I think, professionally. And maybe I was promoting a movie or something. And People Magazine asked me to blog about motherhood. And I thought, sure, you know, those were my roots, you know, when I first started knowing that I was going to be artistic, be mm -hmm. an artist. Of, and so I decided to start blogging about motherhood. In the beginning, I approached it like I knew everything and everybody hated me. And then I finally realized that nobody knows anything. The purpose of this blog isn't to know anything. The purpose of this blog is to start the conversation and to get uncomfortable and to talk about how much I don't know and how much I'm trying to figure out. And when that set in and that became the tone of the blog, then it really took off. And in that journey, it was so such a relief, right? Don't you agree? Like when you can truly be yourself and you can throw caution to the wind and you don't really have to censor yourself. Right. It's just um, very freeing and you feel like you finally really belong mm -hmm. and you connect to other people and you inspire other people. And the blog became just this really natural conversation between me and women about what we didn't know, about what we we're trying to figure out about motherhood. But the one thing that I didn't share was that I was infertile and that I had to do IVF to have my daughter. And I felt like, how am I portraying this honest person who just, you know, says what I think and, you know, that I live this way, mm -hmm. but I have this dirty secret. And but it's so, not a dirty secret. But it is a dirty secret because Why? of the fact that most people are ashamed about infertility. 
And until people aren't ashamed about it and people aren't talking about it, like you could say, congratulations, your baby's so beautiful. And if I don't cop to the fact that, oh, thank you, it was really difficult to get pregnant, you know, but I did and this is my miracle baby and I'm so proud, but nobody would ever say that. But but I don't think anyone cares. They're just happy you have a baby. True. So I think it's harder when people have the problem and don't have a baby. Yes. You know, I think that's, you know, that's probably the most difficult. But I think people are embarrassed if they've had to get medical help to have a family. There's something about even in this day, more and more, more and more people are, you know, women are delaying try, even trying to have a baby until they're in their, you know, late 30s. Right, which is why I think it should be. Which is why I ended up blogging about mm -hmm. it, and it trended at number one on Yahoo. Oh. It became like very clear to me that mm -hmm. so many women, right? I mean, we're going to college, maybe we're going to graduate school, we're waiting to fall in love with the right person. We're not just like in the school of, you know, becoming MRS dot, you know? And so that takes time to be that, you know, actualized woman. And by that time, you know, you're 35, right? You're 30, 40, somewhere in there. And, you know, you're not, you're not 25 and the situation has changed a little bit, but that conversation didn't feel like it was being had. So I wrote about that. And I mean, the book, I think, also talks about, you know, just my faith and losing my mom and becoming a mother. So it's a deep, it's more of a memoir, but it does really get into the journey of, of discovering that I had fertility issues. Well, it's, a, it's a step one of, of your memoir. You're very young. You are going to have another memoir. I hope you so. Will you will have a part two. <laughs> You've but written eight books. I've written nine books. Oh, my God. And I don't know how to type. I'm, so I'm coming after amazing. you. I'm gonna yeah. do, I've got to figure out book two. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> amazing. I, you know, I don't figure things out. I just kind of pour it out. And if it works, it works. If it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't. So, yeah. But didn't Michelle Obama just write about that she also, um, in her memoir, that she also suffered from infertility and she had IVF. Yeah. And she was actually embarrassed of it. Yeah. So that it's was, just there's a stigma attached yeah. to it. It's like you're not um, a real man if you can't mm -hmm. get a woman pregnant just right. by having intercourse or you're not a real woman if you can't just, you know, have sex with your husband and get pregnant. So that becomes just, a, it's you know, there's a stigma attached to that. You know, there's something just, you know, you're very proud of, you know, of being able to create a family. And no, 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 I just don't think the conversation's being started. I think that like breast cancer, you know, that was just something that people, you know, it was just not a conversation and women led the conversation. They changed the conversation. It became a movement. And that movement set off, um, you know, women getting their breasts checked at their gynecological, you know, appointments, just like women should have their fertility reserves and their hormone levels checked. That should just be part of what we do when we go to the gynecologist. But because it's not a conversation, it's not something that we're told to that should be a part of our exam. So we have to start asking for it. But by you writing this book and talking about it, I think yeah. you know, it just it really helps. I and I can't believe how many girls now are freezing their eggs. I'm glad of that. Yeah. I and I hope it's affordable. And the more we talk about it, I hope that the twenty five year olds who have a vision for themselves but that reproductive generation, that that it's affordable, that they can do that. It's a um, life insurance policy, literally, and they can choose to use it or not down the road. But that they have the that they have the information, and as the old, you know, the older women starting the conversation for the younger women. Yeah, no. It, since we are the decade of the woman, and we all have to we give are. back, and this yep. is part of it. You know, and speaking of everything that we've gone through and, you know, you being a beautiful actress in Hollywood, did you ever have to deal with any of the... The Me Too the movement? The Me Too movement? You know, I really didn't. Yeah. 
I didn't. I don't know if it was because I, let's just let me backtrack. I'll just say that I'm very, very um, impressed with what's happened. I think that uh, women banding together, even the old stories that are coming to the surface for people, I think it's healing. I think it's healing, and I think in a misogynistic right. society. I think that we have issues with equal pay that you know have to be tackled. And, you know, that that narrative for us as women has to change, you know, how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves in the workplace, how we conduct ourselves with men. So the whole conversation was long overdue, don't you think? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. You know, and and I think we're not done with it. No. You know, we're definitely not done with it. But, you know, I do think that a lot of a lot of the experiences, you know, for women, I mean, how hard it must be, you know, it's, the Hollywood is one thing. Corporate America is another thing. You know, it's it's difficult. Yeah. You know, it's difficult. So, you know, at least you have a daughter that you could teach her, you know. I, I have three sons. I, I teach them, you know, certainly a lot of things. Yeah. And I think it's really important to teach the girls, you know, young girls, how to be empowered. Yeah. And, and I was lucky, too, you know, just to maybe backtrack why I didn't end up feeling targeted or mm -hmm. getting targeted. But I mean, my mother went to Sarah Lawrence. She was, you know, a renegade and she uh, was a disruptor and she was really powerful. And that's that was the kind of woman they were raising at Sarah Lawrence, mm -hmm. you know. So I was I didn't step into the business, you know, and start, you know, uh, flirting to, to move ahead or I don't know. Maybe I made my male bosses more father figures. I didn't, you know, I just didn't. I don't know. I just was I wasn't encouraging right. anything. I didn't yeah. I didn't go in any and then I I didn't luckily end up having people who worked, you know, that were my bosses that took advantage of my youth or right. it intimidated me to feel like I had to. Right. Or you were so afraid of not getting or ahead. losing the job. But I mean mm -hmm. I have dear friends who, you know, I mean, shocking stories. Yeah. Weinstein stories. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, it is you shocking. Know? It is it is unbelievable. But it also permeates not just sexually in the workplace, but just the level of abuse that somebody who, you know, has that much power really mm -hmm. is taking advantage, right. not just of but they're doing it in every aspect yeah. of the company, you know. So there were a few yeah. cancers that needed oh. to be. <laughs> and as a mother, how do you handle juggling, you know, your home life and your daughter with your work? Luckily, I you know, doing movies, which is what I've mostly been doing over the last six years in Easton's ten it's a really perfect lifestyle because there'll be three months, five months that I'm not working. And, you know, it's more about budgeting and trying to be smart about right. my, you know, finances and my life because there'll be a nice chunk of time every year where I'm not working. And Easton has the perception that I'm a full-time mother, which is great. And eventually she'll leave the nest anyway. And, you know, I want, oh, yes. I want, the, I want these years for her to look back and feel like I was very right. present. Mm -hmm. um, doing a TV series is a grind. It's, you know, you're at work at four in the morning. You're done maybe, you know, eight, ten at night. It's Ugh. Law and Order was easy because it was a really well-oiled machine. It was like joining the cast of Chicago or something, mm -hmm. you know, right. on Broadway. It was already really fine-tuned. And when we shot in the courtroom, it, we block shot it. You know, we shot the lawyers. Then we turned around on the judge and then the jury. By the time you got to the jury, I was gone for the day and I'd left so they could do their, their shtick. But... I don't know. I think the movie the movie life has really made it easy to balance motherhood right. and to be present with her. And then when I go away, I don't feel guilty about it. I learned that from Kira Sedgwick. She said to me once we were doing a movie and she said, you seem so tense. I mean, I know you're a new mother. And she's like, but relax. You know, she's fine. She goes, I remember saying to Kevin at one point, 
do you ever feel guilty about going to work? I mean, you just got this movie. Do you feel guilty? And Kevin looked at her and was like, no. You know, like, right. and the mother is like, her head is spinning, feeling terrible that she's going to go go to work and, you know, earn a dollar. So I, th- I think that helped, you know, when Easton was two to just chill out. And when I'm working, I'm really focused. Yeah. And well, well you're, you're lucky you have that because I was definitely in and out. And, you know, the guilt was always a part of it. And I, and I was home more than most working moms. You yeah. Know, I was able to work at home a couple days a week and, you know, go in a little bit late, drop the kids off at school, you know. But, but also I've been a single mom, right? So I, I would just let myself off, off the hook with the guilt because it, there was no yeah. choice. I had to go to work and I would say to Easton, I ha- mommy has to go to work. I have to take care of us. I have to put food on the table. But then I didn't go and then carry the guilt with me after I'd given the big speech to her, like, I'm going, I'm taking care of us, everything is good because I'm going to go do this work gladly, Mm -hmm. happily, I love what I do. I don't want to feel guilty about it. You're fine. You know, everything is fine. Um, But then I really did let myself off the hook. And then I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to work and enjoy it. I wanted to be on set and loving it, not thinking, like Kira said, you know, like, you know, every moment that I was like, well, God, the scene, you know, is not ending fast enough. I want to be home making dinner. I didn't want to feel that way when I was trying to go, you know, deep into doing. And she knows clearly her mom's an actress. Yeah. And she's also had, I mean, I never expected raising a kid growing up on sets. I mean, right. I grew up really much more conservative childhood in New York and my parents were all business people. But, but yeah, I mean, she's growing up in the circus and she, you know, I have a series that I've done for the last two years in Puerto Rico called The Oath. She's lived with me on location. She lived with me in Boston mm-hmm. when I did American Hustle and Joy. Mm-hmm. You know, she's having a different yeah. So tell experience. me about The Oath. It's produced by Fitty. 50 Cent. Fitty. Fitty. Fitty, Fitty sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fitty Cent. Love him. Yeah. Like, I do really? love him. <laughs> love him. He's becoming a formidable oh, TV producer. That's amazing. I want to be like him when I grow that's up. That's so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. So how, tell me about the show because I haven't seen it. The show's really, um, really gritty. Rolling Stones uh, said it's as gritty as sandpaper. It's dirty. It's aggressive. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Hmm. It's about this guy named Joe Halpin. He was a sheriff with the LAPD, and he was a corrupt cop. He was in a cop gang, and he did a lot of dirty things and with a lot of dirty people, and eventually he retired from being a sheriff, and then he came out about it. And the corrupt, can- you know, the corrupt gangs within the police department in L.A. are you know, famous. So that's really what the show is about. And it's about the FBI taking down these gangs within the LAPD. Mm. And I'm this sort of, you know, head of the FBI that's very cruel and crooked that Ooh. gets in bed with them and tries to take them down and but then gets kind of wrapped crooked. up in them. You I can't, can't see you playing a crooked person. No. <laughs> it's the blonde yeah, hair. Yeah, it is. And the good skin <laughs> and all that stuff. Wow. Do you have to like wear red lipstick or something? But you know, but that's the thing. I, that's That was the real freedom that David, David O. Russell right. gave me because I had, you know, gotten the soap opera, then, you know, gotten this TV show called Bull, which I did with Stanley Tucci and was playing, you know, this sort of, you know, um, broker down on Wall Street and then Law and & Order. And then, you know, the, the, the imprint was being right. set that I was playing these, you know, mm-hmm. iconic TV characters right. with this look, this blonde look. Yeah. And David came in and was like, no, you're playing this character. She's Italian. You need you need brown hair, you know. And he I mean, that movie, American Hustle, I probably looked like mm. I was 50 and I was, huh. you know, 34. Right. So I really it expanded my thoughts that, you know, if you understand the character, mm-hmm. 
then you know you don't have to be attached to anything. I want to look good when I go out in life. I want to look. I want to feel beautiful, right. or I want to feel uh, vibrant and attractive. But when it comes to playing a character, I want to become that character, and that character in the oath is cruel and bizarre and macabre and ugly and does ugly things and you know so I like that they didn't light me I didn't look good uh -huh. you know I always had like very dark circles and you know tight cheap suits that didn't fit that well right. which you know could make a woman not feel yeah. so great about her body but uh -huh. it was right for that character yeah. And yeah. where where can we watch Oath? What the Oath is on Crackle. It's on Crackle. Yeah, and, where, and, where, and you know who Ryan Quantin is? He was mm -hmm. on True Blood. He played okay. the brother of Anna Paquin. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the lead in the show, okay. and he's producing it. Okay, just Sean where, Bean was where's also Crackle? Crackle is a is Sony. It's it a is. Sony streaming okay. mechanism. So it's okay. oh, it's a Sony. You'll see Sony Crackle, but like Amazon or like Netflix, gotcha. you can stream it. But okay. it's for free. Okay. It should be ever ever uh -huh. more so appealing, right? Yeah, there's there's nights where I sit home with that big TV and that remote and I'm like pressing buttons and I'm like And now you're going to be texting me and going, "I'm watching How do I Crackle? do it? Yeah, how, how do, I, do I get to Crackle? It's a, it's, a, it's orange. Yeah. Okay. You can't miss it. Okay. If you get confused, text yeah. me. Oh, I I will definitely. <laughs> we'll we'll FaceTime and you can tell my husband how to do it. <laughs> okay. And so what happened? I thought we were coming for dinner, Jonathan you, you, and I. You guys are welcome. You can come stay at the hotel. You look younger than when I last saw you. Really? You're busier than when I last saw you. And I'm older. You've done a lot of things <laughs> since I last saw you. But so I'm happier know. probably. Yeah. I have, le I have less happy. aggravation. You do I look do. happy. You, you look know, so as happy As much as I loved my company, my job, you know, when it's a big, giant, corporate. It's terrifying. Know, it's, and it's not terrifying. It's just intense. Yeah. Constantly. There's yeah. no let up. The stakes there's preparation are for everything. Yeah. Then you do it. Then there's preparation for the next thing. You, it's like literally it was like a treadmill that when I got off it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to have to do that anymore. I'm not going to have to do that. I, there was like 10 things that I was like. I don't have to do those things anymore. Well, and also just all those people. I mean, you uh, had like you had an entire squad right. of makeup artists like all over the world. And I remember I met that Tanya Cropsey through mm -hmm. you, right? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah. You, had, you had this whole right. network. I did. I had really good people. Yeah. There's, you know, most of them have gone. Most of them. Most of the people Fled when I the worked scene. there. Yeah. It's a very, yeah. you know, different place. So, um, you know. I'm sure it was intense. Very right. corporate. But I'm, you know, I'm able to look at it and see all the good things. And honestly, if you don't move on then you're just doing the same thing over and over again. I think so, so too. Yeah. I mean, I would very much like to go back to doing a TV show because mm -hmm. I feel I've done this great freelancing thing. And again, couldn't be more grateful to David O. Russell for giving me the courage to to not be the pretty blonde from Law and Order mm -hmm. and like really get into playing, you know, characters. And I love Alice and Janie and she's so sexy right. and beautiful. But how how brave she was and I, Tanya, to just be like, yeah, ugly. Yeah. You know, and just yeah. to achieve that character. So that kind of work in film is exciting. Um, but you do. You want to keep mixing it up. And I'm, you know, kind of ready to step away from mm -hmm. film right now and maybe do a series again. And Well, well talk to me grind. what it's like either aging in Hollywood. Like, like how, do, how do you deal with that? Let, you know, I think for me, because I was able to do American Hustle when I was still relatively young, young enough to feel I was young, um, it was a really great blessing because it detached me from my looks. So I probably, the trajectory was I wanted to be a movie star. Everybody always does. And the girls that leave Law & Order, they always want to go be a movie right. star. That's that's yeah, that's their big plan. And, um, you know, what, whether it works out or not. But, you know, eventually, as you get older, you begin to think that's impossible. 
you know, because it's a young girl's game to be a movie star, like a real movie star, oh, like yeah. a Jennifer Lawrence. But that's not really true because if we look at people like, you know, F Felicity Huffman and Meryl Allison Streep. Janey, but they, but she was a movie star in right. her 20s. I'm talking about she's like... She's still a movie star. She's still a yeah. movie star. She's so extraordinary. Right. But yeah. to kind of really break out in your 40s is really rare. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you can sort of let go of your version of it, like mm -hmm. the young girl's version right. of it, and just, you know, like like Julianne Moore is a great example. You know, when she, she'd always been a solid working actress, she'd worked with everybody, but really the year that she did The Hours, she was nominated, that two movies that were nominated for Oscars that year, she was in her late 30s. And her life completely changed. So I think you just have to do the good work. Now, I think also, you know, even with the Me Too movement, you know, what's good and what's bad. Mm. Women are moving forward. Women are coming to the forefront. Storytelling with strong female characters are coming to the forefront. And they're not all 20 years old. Right. And that's exciting. When we look at someone like Robin Wright Penn and what she's achieved and, you know, Patty Jenkins, what she achieved, you know, with making Wonder Woman and the female directors coming to the forefront. I just think we're the best is yet to come. So I don't think it's a young girl's game. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. So is there anything else that you want to do? Like anything you said, you know, you want to maybe do a clothing line. Would you ever consider some kind of a, you know, like even a digital talk show? Yeah, I mean, you know, because I've continued to blog for people, um, you know, I would really like to turn that into a podcast type of theme, you know, really talking to pe women, mm -hmm. you know, in a real way like we're doing right now. I think that would be very appealing. I am learning a little bit about that as my friends like you are beginning to do podcasts and I'm hosting sometimes with my friend Jeff Lewis on his serious radio show. Mm -hmm. So it's something I'm exploring, yeah. like how to turn the blog into something you know, that's 3D or sort of 3D. Um, and, you know, um, I have a new movie coming out called Fair and Bal you know, Balanced. I don't know if you've heard of no, it. No, no, no. Tell me. Um, it, it, I, I don't want to get that much into it, but it's about the Fox um, ah. debacle. Ooh. Yeah. So okay. it's about that. Nicole Kidman, Margot mm. Robbie, wow. and Allison Janney. So and cool. Lithgow. And when is that? Um, I'd say that'll probably be out at Christmas. Okay. Around that time. Oh, cool. It'll be a trying to be an Oscar contender type of film. Mm -hmm. I play Martha McCullen. Wow. So that was, that's fun. And uh, The Oath comes out in February. And um, so you've got a pretty busy year. Yeah, now things are about to get busy because it'll right. be more about promoting things. And, but yeah, I mean, I would love to, I would love to, you know, diversify more and, you know, maybe do a clothing line or mm -hmm. um, a makeup line. Or, I mean, you know, I, I look at Reese, you know. She's like, a look perfect she, example. Yeah, she's just recreated herself and. yeah. You know, I but think she was it's smart cool. and she did the work. You know, she found the books and she gave herself the opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's about that. It's about you know doing the work to find the property to produce and develop. And so that that type of thing I'm also doing. I'm trying to produce with my team, with my agent, and um, maybe I'll bring something to Fitty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to meet Mr. Fitty. Yeah. I'm sorry. We'll try to get him yeah. in here. So one, all the people that are listening, I always like to ask my guests, what yes. is the one thing they could do to, today that will change their life? Mm. Like what's one advice from you, one thing? Change your thoughts. Your thoughts become things. That's a good one. Be positive. Yeah. yeah. Change your thoughts. Be deliberate about your thoughts. Wake up and get in control of your thoughts. When you go to sleep, demand of yourself that your thoughts are your own and stop reacting. Start responding. You know? great, that's great advice. I love that. And where could everyone follow you and find out what you're doing? 
Um, I, on Instagram, Elizabeth Rome. It's probably the best place. And, and people.com. And people yeah. That's got to be huge. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah every month yeah. I blog about Easton. I apologize to Easton. I probably embarrass uh, her. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to see you. And I wish thank we were you. having dinner tonight. I know. That would uh, be great. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so oh, much no, for Thanks me. so much for coming. And that was my conversation with Elizabeth Rome. I really love Elizabeth's personality. She's really down to earth. She's really real. She seems more just someone that you'd be friends with than a celebrity. Cannot wait to see what she's up to next. And that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at justbobbybrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.